Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, John and Sarah. Been part of this church from afar. I'm not having very... From... Been part of our church family for many years and uh, have a wonderful church back in Florida that's really been pouring into them as well for a long time. But we're just honored and glad that you all have joined um, kind of officially joined, if you like, decided in their hearts that this is their church. We have a church membership in this church, and uh, if you'd like to know how to join the membership, you just decide in your heart that you're a member. And if you decide that in your heart that you're a member, you're a member. Congratulations. And uh, they have an amazing, their ministry is absolutely amazing. And we just really felt that uh, we had lunch with them, Kate and I, this week. And uh, as we were having lunch, we're like, wow, the church family needs to hear what y'all are doing. Because it's absolutely amazing. And I think one of the things that I love um, is that, you know, rather than, uh, if you like, going in and setting up children's homes and taking children out of their families, etc., they're... They're educating the children through their education programs and through the, you know, um, through the ministry, feeding them and so on. And as a result of that, it's transforming their hearts and their minds and their entire mentality and bringing them into the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And that, then they're sent, then of course, every night the kids are going home back to their parents who, uh, don't want to give them up too much because they're actually making money for them. But over the period of weeks, there's such a transformation in the kids that the parents start to want to know the gospel, start to want to know John and Sarah and find out what in the world is going on that's transforming our kids so much. And uh, ultimately, even to the point where the parents are willing to let go of the children being the main breadwinners for the family so that the children can have a different future than the life that the mum and dad have lived. I think that has to be one of the greatest, most awesome uh, ministries that I've heard of for a long time. Turn with me, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 3. And um, the, the title of my message this morning is, What I Have, I Give You. What I have, I give you. What do you have that you can give away? What I have, I give you. This is one of my favorite stories in the entire scriptures. Let's read from verse 1, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, about three o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Asking alms means begging. Begging from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And then they knew that it was the one, he, who had sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, at Gate Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? And he goes on to preach an incredible sermon of how it was faith in Jesus Christ of Nazareth that made this man walk. Mm. I think this guy had to be the most disappointed man in Jesus Christ of Nazareth that was on planet Earth at that time. Prior to the miracle, that is. Because he'd been laid at Gate Beautiful probably every day of Jesus' entire three and a half years of ministry. And we know that Jesus' ministry was all over Judea, Samaria, right into Phoenicia, but also in Jerusalem from time to time. And we know that Jesus would walk through those gates because and heal people because we have the account in John 9 of Jesus healing the man who was born blind and spat in his eyes and that famous incredible miracle and then told him to go wash in the pool of Shiloh. This man that was lame in his feet from birth, it says later in, in uh, Acts 3, 4, it says that he was 40 years old. He was not a young man. He was 40 years old. And it's highly likely, although Scripture doesn't tell us that, but surmising in reading the stories, it was highly likely that this man was either friends or at least knew of the blind man. He probably knew Bartimaeus from Jericho, who was also healed. He probably had heard all about all the miracles that Jesus Christ of Nazareth had done for three and a half years in his city and in his surrounding area, among his friends, and so on and so forth. Anybody that's lived as I have in a third world or developing nation of the world will know that there is a, there's a network of friendship and relationship between people that are beggars. I grew up in Nigeria. Murray and I were born in Nigeria and grew up there in West Africa until I was 18 years old. And this man, with his begging bowl every day, every single day, and yet... Despite all of his friends and despite all of the people that he knew and heard of that were also blind or lame or deaf or mute, all of them being healed, he himself still was not healed. Jesus mysteriously had walked by him. He passed him by. 
He had every good reason to justify in his own heart. His, any, if there was any lingering or resident resentment towards Jesus, towards God for being born this way. And now with the Messiah being there, his only hope, even the Messiah had passed him by and not healed him. And then he'd heard how the Messiah, his only hope of being healed, had been crucified on a cross. The death of a criminal. For us, the cross is like, wow, thank you, Jesus, and rightly so, because we know and understand the cross. But to this man at Gate Beautiful, the cross meant the end of all of his hope of ever being healed. It seemed as though Jesus had passed him by. It seemed as though Jesus didn't care. It seemed as though God didn't care. If Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, it seemed like the Father didn't care. And here's this man, back to business as usual, back to his daily life, begging at Gate Beautiful, being carried there by others. And I love that moment. Peter comes, and I I just think the way Peter addresses him spoke right into that disappointment. Spoke right into, I don't think God cares about me. And I don't think there's a God anyway. The only hope that there was, the Messiah has been crucified on a cross by the Romans. Here I am, and I'm still lame. But that day was a suddenly of God. Thank you, Linda. That day was a suddenly of God. That day was a day when all of a sudden everything in that man's life changed. That day was an amazing day. If that, if Peter, who had just recently denied Jesus, who also had seen Jesus crucified, if Peter had been wallowing in his past and wallowing in his shame and wallowing in his failure and being self-defeating and beating himself up for all the things that he'd messed up on, as often many of us can, that day would never have been a suddenly for that man. But I thank God for Peter, who had forgiven himself Because he received the forgiveness of Jesus when Jesus three times asked him if he loved him. And on the third time, it says that Peter was very sad in his heart because he knew three times, do you love me, represented three times of him denying Jesus. Just like Jesus said he would do and he said, no, I won't. And Peter had every good reason to wallow in all of his self-defeat and self-hatred and shame and so on. And yet here's Peter. He knows, yes, I've been forgiven by Jesus. I'm going to receive that forgiveness. I'm going to make a choice in my heart. I know I don't deserve it, but I'm going to receive that forgiveness. I'm going to shake off the shame. I'm going to receive this forgiveness. And I'm going to give a gift of forgiveness to myself. And in doing that, Peter postured his heart for an encounter with the living God. And sure enough, on the day of Pentecost, Peter was not missing. Peter was right there, even though he had every reason to feel that he shouldn't have been. And the Holy Spirit landed on them all, and the Holy Spirit landed on Peter. And who was the first person to get up and address the crowd? Peter. Despite his past, despite the fact that he was the least qualified among the apostles, Peter stood up and preached the most amazing sermon. And 3,000 people got healed. 
And here we have him just a few days later. And he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of forgiveness. He's full of God. And he's walking into the temple. And he sees this man. And I just wonder, I don't know, Scripture doesn't tell us, but I, I just can't help wondering whether Peter, who heard Jesus say in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, if you believe in me, not only will you do the things that I do, but you will do even greater things in my name because I go to the Father. And I could imagine stood upright in his entire life. Forty years of being down on the ground like this every day. We saw a miracle in Niger Republic. Exactly the same so similar in scenario. And my Norwegian friend Terrier, who leads the ministry in, in Norway, he saw this man begging. And he reached to him and he grabbed him by the hand and he said to this ex, I say ex-Muslim because at that time he was Muslim, but he wasn't his follower of Islam for long. He grabbed hold of, the man was on his hands and knees. You know, in our country, we have all kinds of facilities for people that have special needs. But in Niger Republic, on the edge of the Sahara, there's no wheelchairs. And if there was, you'd get stuck in the sand. And the mode of transport is not the car and the automobile. It's not the automobile and the truck. It's the camel, the donkey, and the cow, the bull. And they poop a lot. And all the sheep mill around the town. Everywhere you go is dry or wet dung. And that man on his hands and knees... He was about 20 years old, spent his whole time calluses on his elbows, calluses on his knees, spent his whole life six inches above poop. His face six inches above poop. That was his life. And that man just, as Terrier leaned over and yanked him up onto his feet, he said to him, I don't have any safer, which is the local currency. I don't have anything to give you. But what I have... I give to you. What do you have, everybody? What do we have here in Catch the Fire? What do you have in you? What do you have on you that you can give away to the world around you? The answer is you have the Holy Spirit. Chikabanga. Peter knew that he had the Holy Spirit. And I, I'll never forget, Terrier yanked this man up to his feet and the man's ankle snapped out strong. And just as we were arriving, he was running down the edge of the road, turning back and running back towards the, the crowd that had gathered. That man never went down on his hands and knees again. He walked. He ran. The whole village saw it. It was an amazing, epic moment. That's what Jesus can do. I just wonder if the sound, you could just turn. I'm getting a little booming here in my ears. Thank you. I want to say, first of all, number one, point number one in this story is, what is our gate beautiful, everybody? What is our gate beautiful? What is, this, what is within your world today, right here in Raleigh, Durham, Cary, Chapel Hill, what is gate beautiful for us? Where's the place, 
that people that are disappointed in God and desperate for a touch of God, what is the place that they're hanging out at? Week after week, day after day. You know what it is in our world around us? No. It's church. It's church. Church is one of the places. I'm not saying it's the only place, but I'm telling you right here in the South, it's one of the places where the most disappointed people in God hang out. Sunday after Sunday. The Bible study. Hanging out, longing, hoping that somehow they'll meet with God. Longing that somehow they'll be healed. And yet, week after week, disappointed. So often, we've made prayer into something that we trust in. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that are extremely weary of prayer. They're just weary of prayer. Pray, pray, praying, 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 praying. Reading the Bible, 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 prayer, Bible, prayer, Bible, study, Sunday. It's gate beautiful. It seems like a beautiful place. But at the end of the day, they're just going nowhere. They feel crippled in their feet, so to speak. And there's this disappointment that just won't go away. I think that this whole region, I've, I've been thinking of what is our mission field here? Why of all the places that two kids born on the mission field in West Africa, Murray and I, why in the world would God call me from Canada and Murray and, and Kate and I from Canada and Murray and Ash from Australia, Carlos and Catherine from Puerto Rico, why would God call us to this city when missions burns in our heart? And the Holy Spirit told me. He said, because there's thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who go to church every Sunday, but they don't know Jesus. And they're just as unsaved as a person who's outside of the kingdom. Because going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Look at this man, crippled in his feet. And yet he's carried every single day by other people. Do you know that the people that you work with, who are living at Gate Beautiful, so to speak, trusting and hoping that by going to church on Sundays, to their, to their church that they've gone to because their grandparents went to and their parents went to, and that's who I am. And they go to that church every week, hoping to meet with God. And yet there's this disappointment, if they're really honest, deep down inside their heart. Because actually, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And that's Keith Green's favorite saying, who was a great man of God in the 70s and 80s. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. There's a lot of people around you that you work with that are in your neighborhood, that are in your housing association, that are at the Y with you, that are at the gym with you, they're at your lifetime gym, and they're pumping iron next to you, but they're crippled in their feet spiritually. They're stuck at Gate Beautiful. They don't know that you can know Jesus personally. 
They don't know that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't know what it's like to have their heart leaping and jumping and just going ballistic with abandonment, not caring about what anybody thinks about you. Why? Because you've said goodbye to religion. Hello to Jesus. And that's our mission field, everybody. We need to understand what our gate beautiful is around us. And I love it when Peter, he says to him, silver and gold I don't have. Why did he say that? Because the man's life at Gate Beautiful amounted as a result of disappointment towards God, resulted in him staying on the edge of religion. And the only thing that had any meaning to him is, bless me, give me money. And you know, all around us, everybody, We bought into the lie that the true American dream is all about how much money you have and how much possessions you have and how many wonderful, incredible experiences that you can have all to yourself. But I believe our forefathers came to this nation with a wholly different dream. The American dream was to see heaven invading earth, was to see the kingdom of God breaking in in this land. That was their dream. And that any man or woman anywhere in the world could come to this nation and meet with God and find Him. And I, for one, am a very blessed immigrant. I'm an American citizen now, but I know what it is to be an immigrant. And I thank God for this nation that's welcomed us and our family into it. But folks... People around you, many of them, as we say in England, with shed loads of money. I have to be careful how I say that, otherwise you might think I said something else. (laughs) People all around you, shed loads of money, living the dream, but it's not a dream. They're crippled in their feet. We say, how are they crippled in their feet? They're walking right next to me. They're crippled in their feet because like this man was born in the natural crippled in his feet, many people around you believe that they've been born again, but they're born again crippled in their feet, in their spiritual feet. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The good news of the gospel is always associated with feet. And and I just... This is totally, you know, allegorical, so to speak, but we can learn something from this. The Holy Spirit had just been poured out on Pentecost. Was it a coincidence that the miracle that the Father tells Jesus to leave for Peter to do? That the man was crippled from birth in his feet? The first miracle after Pentecost. And what's the effect? When, the, when that man's healed in his feet... He jumps up, he goes leaping and walking and leaping and praising God into the temple. I mean, guys, it's a spectacular scene. He's like, because he's never walked for 40 years. And it says that everybody was drawn with complete amazement. 
Recognize everybody. You're living with people who are stuck at Gate Beautiful. And they're just longing to know God like you know Him. You take it for granted every Sunday you come and you meet God. The worship, you're just lost in the worship. You receive prophecy. Miracles happening all the time in the church family. Your Ignite groups, God's crashing in in the Ignite groups. God's crashing in on our youth. We, get, we just take it for granted like that's, well, that's normal. No, that's not normal right here in the South. That's not normal, everybody. Normal is nobody moves a muscle in church. Normal is that everybody's conscious of what they're wearing and what car they drove and what school they went to. And who won the football? But we're a people of a different kingdom, everybody. And normal is supernatural. Normal is the Holy Spirit crashing in. And our normal, I believe our normal is not our normal because we're special. Our normal is simply our normal because we've said yes to the Holy Spirit. And every time we say yes to Him, He always, always, always backs us up. One of the youth in the video I was watching of the youth camp kept saying over and over again a phrase that actually uh, Smith Wigglesworth is famous for. And that's this. He, this, this youth kept saying it over and over again. God will pass over seven million to find you. And then a few minutes later in the video, God's going to pass over seven million people just to find you. <laughs> Smith Wigglesworth, a famous British revivalist, very famous for extraordinary miracles that Jesus did through him. And he kept saying, there's something about believing God that will make him pass over one million people just to find you. Folks, listen, we've been blessed. We're blessed. But let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's give it away. Let's give it away in, this, in our cities. Let's keep giving it away. Keep giving it away. Keep giving it away. Keep giving away what you carry until the whole city is filled with the glory, with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, until normal in church looks like everybody going completely ballistic because the Holy Spirit has touched us and we are just overwhelmed to know that our sins are forgiven, that we're supernaturally blessed, that we've been given untold, unlimited, unmerited favor as sons of God in the kingdom, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we're anointed with the Holy Spirit on the outside of us, and we're ready to go and change the world. Such is the grace of God that's been given to us. Number two, who's your Peter? Number one, what's gate beautiful for us today? I answered that. Number two, who's your Peter? Who is there in your life that's looked at you when you were disappointed in God, when you had every good reason to be mad at God? And maybe some of you are in that position right now. Things have happened. Shift happens, doesn't it? It really does. Shift happens in the kingdom. And there's stuff in our lives that needs sorting out. There's issues in our lives of unforgiveness and, and, and excuses that we've, that we've held on to that justify all of our bad behavior, that we've got to shift gears, everybody. We've got to let go 
of our past. We got to be like Peter and let go of all of that junk. We got to let go of everything that the devil uses to point the finger at us and accuse us and remind us of our shame. And we need to turn around and say, don't you dare remind me of my past or I'll remind you of your future. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Folks, Peter grabs hold of him and says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Why did he use his full title, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Because he was saying, that's right, the same Jesus. Because there were lots of Jesuses in that time. It was a common name. Yeshua and Yehoshua, Joshua. It was relatively common. A bit like Jesus is today among the many Hispanic cult, uh, places. And he says, in the name of Jesus, Christ, the Messiah. That's right, the one that you thought had passed you by, the one that you thought didn't care about you, the one that you thought was nailed to the cross and was powerless and was dead now. Your only hope snuffed out forever. In his name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The one you thought was just a man. It turns out he's God in the flesh. Rise up and walk. And the man leaps up. All disappointment gone. All shame gone. All lameness gone forever. And Gate Beautiful was now a place that he passed through for the rest of his life instead of wallowing in his own self-pity and relying on everybody else to carry him there. Folks, stop relying on everybody else's spirituality to carry you where you need to get to in life. Just say, God bless you, thank you so much. But I'm going to let go of your hands because all you've led me to is the gate beautiful of religion. I'm letting go of your hand now. I'm going to take hold of the hand, an apostolic hand. I'm going to take hold of the hand of somebody who offers me an outstretched hand. Who's your Peter? Who's your Peter, everybody? Who's the person, okay, that's had every good reason, having screwed up in their lives, to turn around and be disappointed? And wallow in their shame, but they've overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And they're carrying the power of God on the inside and the outside of them. And they stretch out their hand towards you. And they take hold of you and they say, hey, come follow me. Look at me. I'm not ashamed that you would get to know my life. Be an imitator of me. Follow me because I'm going somewhere. I'm going into the presence. I'm going into the power. I'm going right into the very person of Jesus Christ. In his name. I'm going in his name. I'm in him. Who's a Peter in your life? Folks, do you have a Peter? Do you have somebody that's discipling you? Do you have somebody who's reaching out to you and saying, hey, come on, be an imitator of me as I imitate Christ? Who is yanking you up out of your spiritual lameness and into glorious, intimate rejoicing? And number three, who are the lame ones that you're devoting your life to, to rescue from their gate beautiful and getting filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. Let's stand, everybody.